Have you heard of Rosedale Masonic Lodge in Kansas? If you haven't, it's a pretty amazing lodge and there's some pretty cool history behind it as well that has connection to the lodge that I was raised in. We're going to get through all that and more this evening. We have an excellent guest, actually the sitting master of that lodge to help walk us through all that history and more. So stick with us. We have a great show lined up for you right after this on Historical Light. Welcome back to the Historical Light Masonic Podcast, dedicated to illuminate our past and bring our Masonic history to light since 2016. Now, enjoy the show. Good evening and welcome back to another episode of Historical Light. My name is Alex Powers. I'm your host. Happy to be back with you. And we have an amazing guest this evening, Brother Ryan Spencer from Rosedale Masonic Lodge. Brother, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. So I want to get started with a few icebreakers here just to get to know you as a person before we really dive into the uh, the content of the episode this evening. So tell me, what is it that got you involved in masonry in the first place? Well, I uh, I was originally, I'm from Kansas City, and uh, I moved down to uh, the, the Valley, they call it Phoenix uh, in Arizona, uh, after I went to grad school. And uh, I I, had, I was down there with uh, with a girl that I had met in grad school, and but I didn't have any friends or family in town or anything like that, and so it was uh, something that you know I'd already you know I was aware of you know I, I grew up knowing of the Freemasons but never had really seriously considered you know joining or anything like that. But it was something where I felt you know this was a great opportunity for me to you know make some make some friends, some connections in a, in a Definitely. city that I was you know uh, not uh, not not very uh, historically known in and uh, something I could spend some of my time and, uh, and energy outside of work doing and, and hopefully, you know, contribute to, to my community as well. So it was a, a little bit of everything. I, I had no idea about the, you know, the esoteric and, and ritualistic aspects of it. It was to me at first, it was definitely more of a, of a social thing. Um, but luckily, you know, of course, as, as I've gotten involved, it's been, it's become something obviously that I, I take a lot of pride in when it comes to the, the, the more esoteric side of it as well. So it's That's kind fantastic. of a Yeah. So you, you kind of mentioned, you know, how you came to know it. Have you discovered uh, like family history in Masonry at all? I actually don't. I'm the, I'm the first uh, member of my family uh, that was a Mason. Uh, it turns out my stepmother's uh, father was uh, down in Parsons, Kansas. I don't know if you've been down there before, um, but uh, he was a, he was a very big business member uh, in the small town there. So of course he was a, he was a member of their little lodge in, in Parsons, Kansas, but, uh, my dry family was not. No, I, I'm the, I'm the first, I wish I was cool enough to say that I had a, had a long, long history of generations of uh, members, but I'm, I'm proud to say that I'm a, I'm a first generation Mason. Yeah, no, I, I think that's actually really cool. I always get a kick talking out of guys that don't have that family history because a lot of times those that do, like mine was a little bit of a weird situation because I'm fifth generation, but I didn't know any of those guys really. Uh, right, I mean, right. my, my uncle was a Mason, but 
we didn't really talk about that till later on, you know, great grandparents, all that besides seeing it on the headstones, I didn't have that connection, but I feel like a lot of guys with that family connection, that's what really gets them in the door. Um, but I think it's, it's fascinating to talk to guys that don't have that real plug and see, you know, genuinely what brought them to Freemasonry and also what kept them around, which is fantastic to hear that that's also shifted with you as well. Well, I think, you know, I think it's been talked to about ad nauseum, of course, but, you know, for the, for the craft going forward, we really need to be, yeah, it's great to have those legacies in there and great to have people that, you know, know about it already to, to give you a good South foundation, but you can't survive off legacies alone. You're going to need to, you're going to be a combination of that plus these new guys that are maybe just now learning about it or just now hearing about it. Maybe they, they read Dan Brown and they're interested, you know, you never know. <laughs> 100%. And I mean, yeah, that's, that's our mission at large, right? To make good men better. So if we're, if we're only addressing legacies, then we're not really hitting that core mission. So Definitely. it's fantastic to get out there. Now we're talking this evening about Rosedale Masonic Lodge. You're sitting master there. Uh, and we're going to hear all about the amazing history there. I've got to ask, is that the only lodge you've belonged to? Is that where you were raised through as a Mason or did you transfer there from somewhere else? Yeah. So like I said, I, I was originally in Arizona. So my, I was initiated in uh, what was originally called Chandler uh, Lodge number 34 in Chandler, Arizona. Uh, that's on the east side of the valley there. And I was actually the last uh, member initiated in Chandler uh, because it was in December and then as of January 1st that next year, uh, they were, they emerged with uh, Thunderbird Lodge. So it became Chandler Thunderbird and Chandler didn't exist anymore by itself. So right on um, it that lot my my home lodge actually doesn't exist anymore. It's, a, it's, it's a it's a combined lodge so uh i was uh lucky enough to come back home move in with uh, my family and, and wanted to once i got a you know, establishment job and all of that i i wanted to to re reignite my masonic journey that i had started um and so i found uh, a few lodges obviously around me living in overland parks nice because you've got plenty plenty of options around you um, so I looked at a couple lodges and uh, eventually landed on that, as you mentioned, uh, Rosedale Lodge over in Marion, Kansas. So I've been there ever since. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. I cannot wait to dive in and hear all about the fascinating history here. Before we do, I need to give a quick shout out to our Patreon supporters. Wrong screen, dummy. Jeez, our Patreon supporters. Uh, we've been around since 2016. We're dedicated to Masonic history. That's what we do around here and what we focus on. So if you guys like what you see and want to help support us, keep growing and keep the lights on, bringing you more Masonic historical content, you can support us by going to the website, historicallight.com. And under the support section, you can support the show through Patreon. We have several different levels there and you can get some pretty cool perks uh, for which level you choose. we got custom lapel pins, breast jewels, all the fancy jazz, but you help us keep going and growing, bringing you more awesome content like tonight. So brother, let's dive in. I want to hear all about the fascinating history of Rosedale. I've got to shoot a plug though, a huge thank you to you guys. And I know you were kind of instrumental behind this, but just recently we held a pretty cool event. The second one annually in Kansas being Masonicon Kansas. And you guys were our main host venue for the day. And man, it went over amazing. It was a perfect facility for it. And just so thankful to you guys uh, for putting faith in us to bring that event to your space. You know, like you, you had come to me and, and, and brought the idea to me. And, and uh, unfortunately, yeah, I wasn't able to go to, the, for the inaugural year, the first year, but uh, I was definitely very excited to to be able to provide that opportunity, and I know the the brothers are definitely excited to 
show off our lodge to the to the the, the folks that came. Um, and you know, hopefully, if it's if it worked out well, we can we can do it again. We definitely appreciate doing it and had a great time. I mean, I I was listening to the the recap with uh, Kellerman. I I just wanted to echo everything he said. You know, the, the speakers were great. I mean, it blew me away. I was I was I wasn't able to watch uh, Ryan Flynn because I had to go set up lunch. But man, the, everything else was just just so much fun, and, and everybody was just an amazing speaker. The the topics were great. I mean, everything was great. The, yeah. the the canicos were great. I mean, everything perfect. I, I highly recommend everybody watching come come next year wherever yes. it is. Yes, please do. You know, it, it's the amazing thing. Uh, anyone that's watching that's been involved with these Masonic cons, you know, it it reignited my Masonic experience in a time that I was kind of struggling. I got invited up to uh, Attleboro, Massachusetts, for the Boston Masonic con up there, and just changed the face of Masonry for me, and has really been a highlighted experience um, from then on. And Kansas has really, really good stuff going on. But what we don't often see here is that much outside knowledge coming in. Uh, a lot of the events we have are you know, local guys or you get one, one guy that's flown in. And the amazing thing about uh, these Masonicons is, I mean, we get a whole list of guys from all around uh, the country and beyond all in one jam-packed day that is just focused around Masonic education. Um, and it's just, it's amazing. Not just the speakers, but we also get brothers traveling in from all over the country um, and beyond. We had brothers from Canada and uh, we had the Grandmaster of Alaska there last year. It was just brothers you don't get to see on an on a average day-to-day -day basis. Maybe guys you have a, a relationship with through social media, but you know, for those events that you get to have those guys in the same room and break bread with one another is uh is quite an honor to you know be able to hold something like that here in Kansas and bring that experience to everybody. So I definitely appreciate you guys for helping us out with that. We would love to come back and do another one there, and uh, hopefully everyone that's watching here will keep their ears out for that next date coming in 2024 and come join us as well because it'll be an experience for sure. Now we're going to dive into the history of Rosedale Lodge, but I'm going to throw in one tidbit that I think is pretty neat and a little connection uh, that I kind of have there. Obviously, I've visited Rosedale Lodge before, but I was raised in Lenexa Lodge and Lenexa Lodge and Rosedale are kind of the exact same building, but Rosedale's like times two. <laughs> it's like double the size. Now, I don't know for sure, but the story I was always told was that Lenexa had theirs built. The guys from Rosedale, like, yeah, it's a great design. Why, you know, spend money on another architect or whatever? Just double the size. I'm like, fantastic idea. But it is. It's like the exact same layout. I wish Lenexa would have doubled the size because it's perfect. I, I don't know that they really have room for it on their little plot of land there. Um, maybe if they ditch the parking lot, but it would still be pretty tight. But it, it's perfect. You know, the, the size you guys chose works out immaculate. Um, Obviously, especially for uh, an event like Masonicon, it, it's it's perfect to be able to house that many people and you know have room to move around and set up all kinds of extra yeah. stuff. But uh, fantastic, fantastic space, especially with all the uh, all the new development that's coming to that part of Johnson County. Mm -hmm. You guys are kind of right in the hub of it. Yeah, being uh, being right there off of uh, thirty five is definitely uh, definitely a, a good aspect of. <laughs> Having guys that are wanting to come from around the area be able to, to quickly and easily access the building, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, you've got 
you've got lodges like uh, Shawnee and, and Overland Park, which are amazing lodges, but uh, maybe a little bit farther off the, the main path. Most definitely. So let's get into the very beginning. When did uh, Rosedale Lodge, when was it chartered and how to get its first beginnings? Uh, so yeah, it was chartered, uh, I believe. I, I Again, I apologize. I, I don't have the dates all in front of me like I thought I would. Um, I know I had mentioned uh, before to, to you, I believe it was 1891, uh, and uh, was originally. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how many viewers are aware of the the setup of Kansas City. Uh, originally, you had you know Kansas City, Missouri, and you had Kansas City, Kansas. Well, Kansas City, Kansas was kind of the the second part of that. That was the aftergrowth that that kind of spread across the river, and uh, so as Kansas City, Kansas grew, it kind of started to develop its own little suburbs too. And one of those suburbs. Uh, was called Rosedale, and so it was never really a, a, a big area, but it was just right, right. there along uh, Southwest Boulevard, and uh, was a, a very popular area because of Southwest Boulevard. That's where that first initial growth outside of the the metro happened. It was right there along the the boulevard on your way down into Johnson County, and uh, so a lot of that growth uh, contributed to the need for uh, members of what was. Uh, the Kansas City, Kansas area, reasons to to form their own uh, lodge there uh, in a little suburb called Rosedale, and so the uh, the first lodge building uh, was built uh, right there on uh, Southwest Boulevard, and it's still there today. It's uh, it was well known to be the Strasser Hardware Building, and if you're from uh, Kansas City, you know Strasser Hardware because it's a huge building now, farther up the street. Uh, but originally, we owned the building. We were upstairs meeting, and then Strasser was technically a tenant of ours downstairs. Uh, that, of course, at the time, it was just a little hardware store, maybe some lumber. Right. Like uh, but eventually, of course, they grew, and they've got their own huge complex there up the, up the road. Man, you know, I, I'm sitting here uh, as the history nerd beating myself <laughs> up because I've known both those tidbits, but I've never connected the two. And I'm yeah. sitting here thinking... Rosedale Lodge. I'm an idiot. What? Because yeah, I've I've had that conversation so many times about that hardware store and everyone's like, yeah, there used to be a lodge up there, yeah. and uh, I haven't personally gone in, but they say because I don't know, I don't know if the top floor is open now, but someone was telling me before you could go in and there was like merchandise on the top floor, but when you go up there, you could still like see the remnants of what was a Masonic lodge, mm-hmm. and I'd always wanted to get up there, did not realize, never can feel so stupid at the moment, but connecting Rosedale Lodge with that. That's fantastic. Yeah. And that's really, really cool. You don't even need to go inside the building. If you just drive down the street and you, and you kind of pull off there, you can see the square and compasses still uh, in the stonework there on the, on that top story up there. So that's that, so cool. That's uh, that, that was the original building. Yeah. That is so cool. And yeah, I peeked over. It looks like uh Charter date was uh, February 18th, 1891. So you were right on yeah. there with the year. Okay. I'm on the Fantastic. I don't want to get my historical date. <laughs> exactly. I do want to give a quick shout out over on the Facebook side. Uh, we've got a couple comments coming through. One from my wife, Yvette. Thank you so much for sharing this out like you always do. Uh, and also brother Justin Staley is uh, joining us here. And uh, he's saying, uh, need that ambassador jewel. 100% you do hit up the website. You can do it, man. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. So now we, we talked about, and I may have missed this because I got so excited about those two facts of Rosedale being connected with the hardware building there. Um, but 
how did that break off and you guys end up in Merriam? So, um, with the, you know, and I don't want to get too historical on the Kansas City aspect of it, but as Kansas City and, and more likely Johnson County started to really thrive and grow, um, that population center moved from kind of that area right along the, the boulevard there and started to kind of work its way south and west. And so as it did, uh, the, the location of a lot of their members at the time really started to move a lot of the members' homes were now starting to be in that Johnson County area. Uh, and not only that, of course, you've got the, the population booms and the, the Masonic booms that we had as far as, you know, 1920s and then the final one after in the, uh, the aftermath of World War II during the baby right. time. So you're starting to get so many members that that Strasser Hardware building, as beautiful as it was, just wasn't, wasn't holding the membership anymore. So they decided to go ahead and move it uh, a little more south and west. And the location they decided on uh, at the time was really not very populated. Overland Park was definitely growing. You know, we had the, the Northeast Johnson County areas, but over there in Little Marion, still very, very still kind of quiet. There's still a lot of land up for, for sale. And so they uh, bought that plot of land in 1971, I believe, and decided to go ahead and, and build there. There was no community center or anything like that. No Ikea or Hobby Lobby. It was... <laughs> Things have changed just a little things, bit. Things have changed a little bit, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it, it was a it was a it was an amazing idea for a building, that's for sure. And uh, it was it, it's amazing to be able to be in a building that was built as a lodge, not something that was repurposed right into a lodge. Um, and that's why the the grand lecturers love coming to Rosedale to do school instruction because ours is laid out as close as possible to. The, the correct way for a lodge, so it's easy for them to kind of show the line work and show the the seats and all right. that, and it uh, it makes for a really good environment. And like you said, the size is is makes it ideal too because you really get that good echo in there. But you can really get a good, <laughs> definitely get a good, good dramatic effect. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm thinking about because I've been to a district school of instruction there, and it it does it works perfect with the size, but. I bet why those lecturers like it as well, because you do have the extra side to side room like that. Cause often with the schools of instruction, especially in, you know, Johnson County, Kansas city area, we get more brothers than in the rural areas show up yeah. for those schools of instruction. So even though you've got the two rows on the side, sometimes you'll get even a third row of seating. And in those other lodges that are a little smaller, that often throws your lines off. And then like, you're kind of customizing the work to the room. Um, but with Rosedale Lodge, having that, that big of a layout, uh, it really allows you to stay true and actually teach those lines, which, you know, our lecturers love to be spot on. So <laughs> yeah, they also love to be the center of attention. So there's plenty of room to see. This is that. true. <laughs> Now you guys have, uh, you guys have done some pretty cool things there in, in the recent years. Um, when I went to set up for a Masonic con, I saw something that I'd never seen there before. And that being a bunch of visual elements, uh, installed along the wall. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? What brought that about? Sure. So that was actually my idea for, for this year that I wanted to, to, to really start to develop the inside of our log building. We had a few big projects going on the outside and the, what we call the envelope of the lodge to make sure that we were doing the structural improvements and things like that. But uh, I definitely wanted to make sure that we were doing everything we could to make sure that the inside of the lodge was um, as, I don't want to say dramatic, but as symbolic and, and, and esoteric and, and 
incompatible with our degrees as possible. Right. Uh, so one of the things that I've always thought about when I've been watching our lectures in our, in our room is that uh, our, our lecturer that does them all for us, uh, Galen Graves, uh, a lot of your viewers probably know him, um, he does an amazing job with lectures, absolutely amazing. But he's describing these things in our lectures, and it's just a description. And it's hard for the candidate or the brother to really be able to visualize what he's talking about sometimes. And so what I wanted to provide was a way for these, these gentlemen in these positions to be able to actually have them pick him up, you know, walk him over to the different areas of the room, show him these things on the wall, show him these representations, and really get an idea of what the symbolism behind these degrees is really about. Right. Uh, so what I did was I kind of decided on a, a general size that I wanted for all of the, the items, uh, made a list of everything in all three degrees that I wanted to be there. And then uh, started to to just bring out my crafty side and uh, create every one of those aspects in a uh, you know approximately 12 18 inch area to buy a set of shelves for them and get them up on the wall so that way um, everybody can see and, and you can appreciate them as you go through the through the degree work. One hundred percent. Honestly, it screwed me up getting in there to set up for uh, Masonicon because it's it's very eye catching. I'm like, what the hell? I, you, I've never seen anything in that, like a, in a lodge like that before, but it's perfect. And, you know, one of the things that I can kind of tie it to, we talk about how we keep our history, uh, versus how they used to keep history and how we need to do it now being like, you know, before the whole thing was get into a fireproof building and they did that to the best of their means. But in today's day and age, we can do that better. We have digitization, we have uh, better storage tactics, all that good stuff. So when I saw that visualization in the lodge there, it reminded me of the tracing boards, right? But in a much more modern and better fashion than just the paper, you've brought it to life in 3D. Yeah. It's, it's eye-catching. It's not just you know a slide or a flat piece of paper on the wall that works, but you've brought it to life in a modern way, which I think is fantastic. Well, yeah, and um, you know, we still have. I, I, I printed out and, and draped up the free tracing boards on the on the east, so that way you can still see those as well. But being able to see, especially things you know like the all of the the symbols in the third degree, you know, you go yeah. for a whole litany of that. Um, having being able to have physical corn, wine, oil there for them to to be able to see right next to the the picture of the waterfall is just it's amazing and be able to see, be able to see what uh, the two lines uh, bordering the circle with the point in the middle and the the Bible above it I mean things like that it's hard for people to really like visualize what that looks like and, and we have the slides you know we have the, the real old slides that are you know they used to use all the time but again Galen does such a great job of just going through the script so beautifully and just having it flow like a like a conversation that I wanted to really build the bill on that make sure it was something that um you know the candidates and the players can really enjoy and appreciate and, and experience while they were there yeah no I, I think it's fantastic and I think it's an amazing use to you know use a modern mind into the teachings of Freemasonry because I, I think we we all love what we know of Freemasonry and our historical items and stuff but I do often wonder if it connects in the same way with new guys coming in. So to see like these modern means of uh, kind of communicating those aspects, I think that's amazing. And it, it does make me ponder, maybe that hits just a little bit better 
and their understanding and their recollection, maybe it, you know, stands out in their mind a little bit more because you don't see that other places. Like it really stopped me in my tracks when I walked in your lodge room. Cause I'm like, Whoa, that's really cool. Yeah. And it, there it is. It's stuck. And I'm going to remember those items. Well, and another thing, I mean, we always pride ourselves for Rosedale to do is on the north side of the lodge, we actually have all of the, uh, a layout of all of our past masters, their portraits of all of them in chronological order. So we have those old lithographs of you know, our first our first masters, but it goes all the way up to a, a really goofy picture of me from <laughs> the past few years. So it's it's another way for gentlemen coming in and they're interested in our lodge to be able to say we we honor and appreciate and remember our history through these these representations of these gentlemen. Um, but we also recognize that the newest master is a past master too. So they're all on that wall yeah. to be able to, to remember and, and know where we came Definitely. So, you know, we're, we're talking about those men that have been a part of the lodge through ages, which I better throw this in because it's kind of cool. You guys have the famous Gary Folk there, which <laughs> was cool for me because I've known that guy since I was a little kid, never knew he was a Mason. And it's like, you know, you become a Mason in a small world, right? <laughs> but uh, he's, he's worked with uh, my parents for years down at Electronic Supply oh, yeah. uh, in Kansas City. And then, yeah, I, I can't remember exactly when it was that we crossed paths, but he knew my father-in-law, uh, Angelo, before he passed away. And it was just, yeah, small world. So Gary's. Gary's been doing his job. He's the Secretary Emeritus. Uh, but uh, he actually, this will be his last year. He's passing the baton of Secretary. And uh, we're training training a new one. He's, he's looking forward to a little more free time in his life, I'm sure. <laughs> he enjoys taking a breath these days? Jeez. Yeah, yeah. What a slacker. <laughs> he's, only involved, he's, only, he's only involved in seven or eight slots. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, he stays a busy guy for sure. Yeah. So tell me about some of the uh, some of the important figures through your lodge's history uh, that you might have heard stories about. Some of the past ma uh, masters or members, anyone uh, that you've heard some cool stories about through your lodge's history. You know, the obviously the, probably the biggest one, other than our infamous Gary, uh, <laughs> is uh, a gentleman that uh, hopefully uh, a good number of your of your listeners will, will recognize, and that's that of Elden Masters. Um, Elden was huge in our lodge, uh, and even bigger in the adult shrine. Uh, he was a, uh, a, a vital member of the, the Masonic community when it came to Johnson County. Uh, he was always, always there at all of the national, or not any of the national, and uh, definitely the, the statewide conferences when it came to anything he was involved in. And, you know, that's, it's hard to do when you're, when you get as old as he was. I mean, um, it becomes a lot, a lot to, to do. But, um, he would, he gladly did it. He, he thought that the next generation of masonry was important to, to nurture. And, uh, that showed when, uh, it came time for his funeral. That was the, the most people I'd ever seen at a, at a memorial service in my entire life. Wow. And, um, that the, the hall at the shrine was absolutely packed, absolutely packed. And, uh, you know, we were, we were, proud to say that he was a member at Rosedale, um, but his impact on people outside of just his blue lodge was completely immeasurable. You know, I, I couldn't, I, I can't begin to go on about it. Right. Um, but so, you know, he's definitely going to be missed, but um, in recent history, that's probably the biggest member that we had that, that most people would probably recognize uh, in the area for sure. 
That's fantastic, man. So one other question I got for you guys, because you do have a ton of history and now learning about the history going back to actual Rosedale, the hardware store, everything over there. Um, one thing we talk a lot on the show about is our records and, and archival and digitization. Um, so I just got a question. How are you guys keeping your records and do you have plans to digitize or anything of that means? So, you know, we, we don't even have paper copies of our minutes anymore. It, it's all done electronically. Uh, and we were, very happy to be a part of the digitalization uh, project with Grand Lodge to make sure that that charter got um, digitized for for security's keeping. Um, I will definitely say we probably don't take advantage of the uh, the scanning abilities that uh, we have available to us. We have quite a bit of uh, records that we do have, um, and and part of you know what we've been doing, kind of like I talked about with you know the keeping up on the inside of the lodge and the outside of the lodge. Some of those projects include going through a lot of those old closets and definitely and, uh, and sorting through all these, these just thousands of uh, the, the thousands of pieces of paperwork that we have. So it, it's something where we've gone through a lot of it and we've sorted through, you know, what is important and what isn't and, and uh, keeping a lot of that safe. Obviously we've got, you know, things like fireboxes and things like that. Right. But uh, I agree that, you know, we, and I would say, but a lot of other lodges are in the same, the same boat and where we, we you get, you, you have these rooms that just have these piles of notebooks and binders and right. you just don't know what's in it. So I would definitely encourage anybody that has a lodge that they haven't done uh, a clean out to, to actually get in there and, and see what you got. Cause you know what? We found all sorts of really cool stuff. I mean, you've got ciphers from the 1800s. You've got, you know, wow stuff from DMLA from, you know, who knows when. So it, it, it's, it, it seems like a chore, but you never know what you're going to find. You might find some really cool stuff. So um, I definitely encourage any lodge that hasn't done that to, to take that opportunity to, to go through what they have to, to see what's, what's back in those old boxes. But um, as you mentioned, you know, I, and I'm, I'll, I'll say we're guilty of it too, is to make sure that, yeah, you take advantage of the resources that your Grand Lodge or your Lodge of research has available to you and, and get that stuff digitized because paper is not going to last forever. And yeah, and having having a official copy, I think, is, would probably behoove all of us. And I don't use the word behoove very lightly. <laughs> 100. Well, I'll go ahead and announce this here. This is kind of a secret. No one knows just yet, but our Grand Lodge of Kansas, because as you kind of hinted there, you know about the Kansas Lodge of Research Program. We've got the, the archival kits that brother Justin, who's in the comments, will probably be reaching out to you to see if we can get you guys on that list. Uh, but we've had two of those kits that have been going around the state of Kansas, and we've got this long list. Um, but we put out a proposal to actually build three more kits, and the Grand Lodge of Kansas came through and funded that proposal. So we're in the process of building three more kits. It's going to give us five mobile kits uh, going out to lodges in Kansas to do just that. So hasn't been officially announced. Everyone that's watching this right now is getting that behind the scenes uh, first notice of that. But the program is growing. It's doing amazing things. It's been uh, impacting jurisdictions all across the country and even beyond. We've talked to brothers as far away as Scotland uh, that are mimicking the the program we have here. Uh, Massachusetts is duplicating our program. Several other jurisdictions we've had meetings with to help them get set up in that same fashion as well. But 
really uh, so many different layers of it, it is going to protect that history, but also change the game of Masonic research from what we ever known before. But it's just one of those things, you know, we, we have those, those fire safes and stuff like that, but we never know when that tornado is going to come or when that fire does come and, you know, as good as those fire safes are, it's probably going to be dust on the inside, uh, just from, <laughs> from the yeah. overall heat. Um, but you but know, to preserve that, yeah, yeah, 100%, but <laughs> to be able to preserve that, and then you have that, you know, that hard data, uh, secured for years to come. Let's see. We've got uh we've got brother Hackney in the comments here saying, I'm hoping to start something like that here in Arkansas. Shoot me a direct message and I will get you linked up with uh, brother Justin Staley, who is also on here. He might be sending you a message right now and can get you that information uh, to help you guys get set up, at least with the knowledge that we've gained from setting ours up here in Kansas. And I would, and I would say along with that, it's, it provides a really great way that if you do have the space and you do have maybe an area in your lodge that uh, you're not kind of quite sure what to do with, where you do go through those records and you do find some of that really cool stuff, if you've got a way to display that, you've got a way to actually incorporate that into your lodge. Because I don't know right. how many people we've had from our lodge have seen some of the giant old banners that we've collected and we've got a display place up front that's got a lot of that's uh, right. Um, at the lodge, and so when we have gentlemen that are coming in and are interested in the lodge, they see that kind of stuff, and they may ask questions about it, and, and what's that, and what do you do with this? And it's a great conversation starter. It's a really cool way to display some of the history and artifacts that you actually do find uh, as Definitely. part of your lodge. Yeah, you know, I especially uh, being there for Masonicon, I got a chance to see some of that stuff within those cases and even in your back room back behind the uh, the east there. Um, mm. Tell me tell me a little bit about some of the stuff that you guys have came across in the years. So we, we uh, at the height of uh, Rosedale's uh, popularity and uh, membership, we we also had uh, a Deemley chapter with us as well as okay. the OES chapter and uh, Sorry, I'm blank on this one. Scottish, right? Or no, not Scottish, right? It was just DMLA and uh, OES. I believe Rainbow Gulls as well at some point. Uh, but so uh, we we still have all of that stuff. You know, we reached out to those organizations to see if they wanted any of it. Of course, you know, nobody wants to pick all that up. So <laughs> we've got we've got ropes uh, from DMLA from you know probably 50, 60 years ago. We've got the the giant um, pentagonal light structures from the OES that are in actually really great condition. We've got some chairs that were probably some of the original uh, Rosedale uh, officer chairs. So they're the, the old uh, wood construction with the with the pole grain uh, backs on them and the curved backs. Um, and they're really cool and they're hanging up in the back. Um, that's one of those things that's a little harder to display chairs. Um, but uh, yeah, they're hanging up back. Um, but yeah, we've got a whole display of um, original members of the lodge, original masters of the lodge, um, some letters and, and things like that. Uh, at some point, we got one of those uh, displays from Joe Namath uh, with the, the signature on it and the, the original rules for basketball and things like that. So, Really? Yeah. That's cool. That's it's very actually, cool. I'm up in our lobby right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of little things just from you know, our lodge that... Uh, probably wouldn't be of a lot of interest in people in other lodges, but it's, 
it's definitely a part <laughs> of our our history and so we just want to safeguard it the best we can definitely well it, it's always one of those questions you have to ask because you find some of the craziest stuff hidden away in masonic lodges uh sometimes they don't even know what it is but it's been sitting on their shelves for years so every time i get a chance to you know peek around it's like oh, you yeah. find some really really cool stuff there yeah um and you know we we found a lot of the stuff that we have in our library now which i, I know they kind of showed it to you we're, we're trying to start our own little library that we've got um a whole catalog for a little checkout system for so you know but a lot of those those books that you find you want to add those to the collection and make sure that those are taken care of and, and properly stored uh, our preparation room that we turned into a, a genuine room reflection uh, to be able to find you know things like the scales and the old candlesticks and things like that to be able to right. reuse those from the old lodge and, and be able to, to reuse them in a way that is meaningful and really adds to the audience yeah most definitely and your room of reflection is extremely well done i uh, really really like what you guys did with that space there and the growing library was awesome as well uh, i was noticing some of the really cool uh titles that you guys have in there and i hope to see that grow and hopefully it's you know a flourishing uh asset for the members of your lodge well it's funny because uh it was a brother of ours our brother cooper he like he really wanted to take that project and run with it and I was totally for it. You know, obviously that, that's, that's great. It would be great to have something like that. Right. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, are we really going to be checking out books from the library? <laughs> but sure enough, people were, the guys were checking out books and he was having to keep track of them and make sure that they brought them back. And I'm like, okay, that's great. You guys, it works. You guys, it works. Yeah. So, so really weird, nerdy question. The room that you guys have turned into the library, what was that previously? It was just a really unaffordable, it was like a, the, we had, there was a couple of small coat racks in there for guys okay. that would put the coats up before they went to the lodge and an old cabinet full of the old jewels and stuff like that. I mean, it was just a, a junk room that stuff just got thrown into. But again, Fair enough. it was one of those opportunities where you, you, know, you go through it, you, you keep what you really want to and, and hold on to right. things important and, and make something new and better out of it. So. Um, again, I would encourage any lodge, you know, we, we had a couple of shelves in our old preparation room, um, kind of where we just kind of put all the books that we had collected, but to really organize all your books into a nice little library, if you've got the space is something I would definitely highly oh, yeah. recommend as well. 100%. And you know, it, it, it's a neat way to bring those spaces into the future because we don't utilize those coat racks and those, you know, coat rooms as much as we used to in the past. Those were a, definitely a necess uh, necessity in the days past, but today you don't really see them utilized as much. So that is an awesome way to repurpose, you know, that type of a space into something useful for the modern day. So well done. Yeah. Well, it was funny because we got the floors redone from the Sonicon and they had to take our old giant coat racks out and they just threw them outside to, to get them out of the way. And now I'm like, do we really even want to put them back? <laughs> Let's just tear them down and throw them out. Like, how many people are going to use a coat rack? Just throw your foot on the back of the chair and call it good, like the normal person. Exactly. <laughs> so now when you guys had the current building for Rosedale constructed, do you know if there was a time capsule put in at all? Uh, there was not. We just had the rededication ceremony with Grand Lodge that came out to uh, today's building. And that's the... 
if you see pictures of the lodge, um, it's not necessarily a cornerstone, but we have a little separate stone that's out front that we actually used for the for the ceremony out there. Um, and uh, that was in yeah 1991. We had the the 100-year uh, anniversary, and they came out for that, and that was a whole big deal. And uh, if you come to Rosedale, we've got uh, their little blue books. Uh, it's about I should actually get you one next time I see you. You probably actually like it. Um, it's a it's a history of Rosedale for the past hundred years. Yeah, definitely. Uh, they put one together, just listing all of the the members and and major events and things like that. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a it's a neat little book. It's a neat little read. And uh, that uh, that ceremony was yeah, 1991 at 100 years. So I know <coughs> Oval Park just had their 100 years. We were technically before them, so I just want to make a note of that as well. <laughs> So I love, now I, I love the guys at Overland Park. They're 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 great friends of mine. I just like them. Oh yeah, they're they're fantastic guys and did a phenomenal job rehabbing uh, their Masonic temple. Oh my god, just not too long so, ago as well. So cool. I walked in. I was blown away. I'm sure you were too. I did. Oh yeah. So just <laughs> night and day different uh, from oh yeah anything you ever experienced oh, yeah. there. I feel a little bad that like that whole project kind of came out of a nowhere for them. I think they were planning to replace a few boards or something, <laughs> replace the entire building, essentially. <laughs> Wait, you always renovate. You don't, don't take out and destroy because once you take something out, then it's exactly, it's all over. You just want to freshen it up. You don't want to, you want to do But you know, got to give them props where it's due. Uh, they took a tough situation that was thrown at them and they really did the absolute best with it. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. I mean, it, it's quite amazing. Quite, quite well, and I don't know if you know they they were meeting at Rosedale during that renovation. Yeah, we were we were their home away from home for gosh over a year and a half. But poor guys, they they thought it was just going to be a a few a few weeks or maybe a couple months while they were doing that. Ended up being a permanent resident over at Rosedale. For <laughs> <laughs> but it was a different night, so we were glad to have them. And, and there we we always help each other out with degree work and things like that. So we were glad to have them. You know, that's one of those beautiful factors about, you know, Freemasonry, because we often kind of get tied up in our, our own lodge and stuff of that. But to see that Masonic community kind of coming together outside of those constraints uh, is always an amazing thing. And just, you know, goes to show that larger uh, extent of brotherhood that definitely exists beyond the factors of our lodge or those those walls of our lodge. One of the things that we tell every inner apprentice after they're, they're initiated is, no matter where you go in the city, if you want to go see a first degree in another lot, we will absolutely go with you and make sure that you can go see it because one of the best things you can do, and I'm sure you've said it over and over again, is to travel. Yeah. And uh, I remember when I first became a Master Mason and I was still kind of, you know, oh, I'm technically a Master Mason, but I don't really know what you think that I, I, just, I don't, I don't know what you think for the ritual or anything like that. I, did, I was hesitant to travel even then because I was like, well, I don't really know anybody or, you know, xyz whatever excuse you want to make but once i really started to kind of learn some parts and felt comfortable and and, and uh, strong enough to, to really put myself out there and go and travel and actually volunteer and help with degree work in other places and, and go see these degrees at the lodges and help out here and there um that's when i think my design journey really took a step up because you may start to make those connections you meet those guys you get those numbers and and when it comes time, you know, they're there to help you and you're there to help them. And you can see degree to work being done in different lodges, how they do it, you know, how the lodge works. And it, it's, yeah. 
it's so much it's so much fun to be able to if you have the time and you have the the opportunities to, to take advantage of them. Fully agree. I mean, yeah, if 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 you're not traveling, you are missing out in so many different ways. And I mean, that goes from the lodge down the street to the lodge across state line to the lodge on the other side of the country. You know, when you have a chance to travel and meet new brothers, definitely take advantage of that because it's it's one of the like many things in masonry. It's hard to put into words, uh, but there is something really special about it. I uh, when we went when we went on a trip to uh, Washington D.C., um, everybody else wanted to do typical D.C. stuff, and I just wanted to go see the the uh, Supreme the the Southern uh, Jurisdiction uh, Building and the uh, Washington uh, Masonic Memorial. Nobody wanted to go with me, but that's okay. <laughs> I was there and I still need to go see those things. Uh, when we were there, I was there for uh, brother Joe Martinez was being installed as master. So we went out to have fun with him. Uh, of course, it was kind of during COVID time. So George Washington Memorial was kind of closed down and someone was hinting at me. If I'd reach out, I could probably get a private tour. I felt bad. But what we did plan was to go to the house of the temple there. And I, I blame brother uh, Brad Drew if he's watching. Ah, we were going to go on Thursday, my wife and I, and he messaged me, goes, hey, hey, I'm getting in tomorrow morning on a Friday. Wait for me. I'll go with you guys. Okay, perfect. So uh, we meet up with him Friday. We go down there. We pay the $35 or whatever it is for parking four or five blocks away, walk all the way down there. They're closed on Fridays. Oh. <laughs> I was like, man, and this is probably the only time I'm going to be in Washington, D.C. So now now it's an excuse that we have to get back out there. We still had still had a really amazing trip. Uh, we couldn't get into the house of the temple. So we got some pictures of the outside and ended up walking a few. I'd say a few blocks. It might have been a few miles uh, down the road and actually found the embassy of Ecuador where my wife's from Ecuador. So we got to go explore that. And that was really neat. You know, when do you get the opportunity to do that kind of stuff? But uh Still exploring a very Masonic town with some brothers had a really, really great time, but definitely need to get back out there and, and see that. Did you, you got to see the inside? Yeah, we went inside the, the whole tour. Of course I was with my wife and my, my parents and they had no idea what we were looking at, but they thought it was really cool looking. And, <laughs> and we lost me. I was the only, I was the only Mason on the tour. They, they, we had about 15 wow. people there, but I was the only Mason, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. I was like, that means that there's this many people that are genuinely kind of interested in this, the, come and check it out um but man the main lodge room is just it just your your eyes are immediately drawn up because it's just massive and uh, it's definitely a cool experience i recommend for anybody listening to, to check it out we'll definitely have to it yeah it was it was an amazing building i they haven't really checked back to see what they were doing but they were building some kind of like apartments or something on the back side oh, yeah. when I think we I were out there last and I never really checked back to see uh, what the end result of that was, but looked like some uh, some heavy construction going on for sure. I'll tell you a funny story. It's completely unrelated to our topic tonight. But, uh, <laughs> it's all good. It was, it was kind of connected to what you were saying. We, my wife and I went to uh, the UK for a for vacation. Gosh, this was sure. eight, seven or eight years ago. And I wanted to make sure to go to Temple Church there in London. Yeah. And it, I was so excited. I was like, this is my chance to go to Temple Church. And we were only in London for one day, and it was the one day that, that freaking place was closed. And I was like, of all the I'm never going to come back here. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way it works out, right? I'm mean, seriously. 
That's what you get for going in the off season. It's cheaper, but everything's closed. Exactly. Well, as we're kind of winding to the the top half of the show here, we've we've talked all about uh, kind of the history and the humble beginnings of the lodge, moving from the hardware to where you're at now. Some of the past masters. Let's talk a little bit about the vision of the future and what kind of your your plans for the modern day and going into the future are with Rosedale Lodge. So when I I was actually a master in, in 2020 as well. Uh, and so what happened, of course, as we all know, you know, basically the masters that year did nothing. Yeah. <laughs> so we had a hole in our line and they said, Oh, Ryan, you know, you didn't really get to serve a full year. Do it again. And I said, Oh, would I? That'd be great. But, uh, and, and I was actually really excited to do it. So, um, being able to fully implement a plan and, and at least get the, get the lodge moving in a direction that I think is going for the future is something that I was really passionate about and wanting to, to start that kickoff for. So going forward, you know, Rosedale, I think Rosedale specifically what I'm looking for and what I think I want the future of our lodge to be is to be something that we're, we're working, uh, multiple aspects of Freemasonry and trying to get them all in the same direction, if that makes sense. So I, I truly believe that the, the goals of each part of Freemasonry are interwoven. Um, whether that's ritual, membership, uh, charity, leadership, education, community involvement, um, our, our work with the school systems, <clears throat> everything we do really is intertwined. Uh, the community outreach works with schools and works with membership. The ritual degree works with membership and works with the education. And then, of course, the the uh, charity works with all of us because that's our that's our main goal, that's our main focus. So really what I want to start doing going forward is making sure that we're picking and choosing aspects of each of those parts of Freemasonry and making sure that we're focusing on like two or three really good ones. A lot of times I think lodges, when they want to get a plan for the future, they say, oh, I'd like to do this and this and this and this and this. And it's it's one of those things where it's great to have so many ideas, but you're going yeah. to find like just two or three charity ideas, find, find two or three community involvement ideas, find one really good idea with your public schools and your, in your civic community to really focus on because, you know, like we, like we say, when we're, when we're starting the West store, it's, it's about quality, not quantity. Yeah. And so you, you can really bring that to, what you want going forward to the lodge to say, I want to do these really few good programs that I know are going to raise money, are going to provide a charity opportunity, are going to provide a way for us as a lodge to get our name and face out there so that we can drive membership, which helps out with the financial side, which allows us to do all these programs. So when you really look at it and you, and you see it as this interconnected, interconnectedness of possibilities, uh, that's really what I think not only Rosedale, but I hope, you know, anybody listening tonight with their lodge going into the future is, is looking at and saying, are we being purposeful and are we being deliberate and adding value as we talked about at Sonicon to what we're really wanting to do going forward? So I hope, you know, Rosedale is, we're putting it in a position where, you know, structurally and, and, uh, beauty wise, we can really once people are coming in or are looking at the lodge and saying, this is a really kind of a cool place. I'd like to, I'd like to learn more about it. And right. Starting from there and, and 
getting the membership to the point where they want to go out and they want to start doing these things and they want to be interacting and, and providing for the community in all these sort of little interesting ways. So um, hopefully that starts to, sp to spark some ideas and, and we can move forward. You know, we've got a, a really good group of guys that that are are constantly there. They're, they're hard workers. They they want to help the lodge. They want to help us succeed. And uh, hopefully we're, we're starting that off on the right foot and we can really start moving in that direction going forward. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have an amazing plan in place. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, so many lodges want to take on everything under the sun and at the end of the day, just get spread way too thin and really don't accomplish anything or what they do accomplish isn't really notable because they're trying to do so much to really set out that plan like you're talking about and, you know, put actual effort and dedication into it. You guys are on the right track and I could definitely tell, uh, from my opportunity to come and visit you guys, uh, you've got a special thing going on there. So really, really uh, proud to be associated with you guys and and have the opportunity to get to know all of you. And I'm sure Rosedale is going to be around for years to come, spreading masonry in Kansas. Hey, here's here's the hope, and I'm and we appreciate everything you guys have done, and look forward to, to topics like this and events like Masonicon and and begin and, and like we said earlier, you know, making sure that you're not just sticking to your lodge that you're taking advantage of the, the community around you the lodges around right. you and uh, taking advantage of opportunities like this to, to reach out and talk to members that you might have talked to before and, and learn things you may have never learned before so I think that's, that's a huge aspect of Freemasonry and, and really it does nothing but help to serve the, the people that are willing to do it most definitely well, we've got a few minutes before we kind of hit the top of the hour with our ending of the toast um is there anything we've missed? Anything we need to address about the history or the future of Rosedale? Oh boy! Um, yeah, no pressure. Oh yeah, Think about the entire history in this oh, moment. Okay. <laughs> uh, we we really definitely. If if you guys are in the area, please come. Please feel free to stop by uh, our, our state meetings on two. Uh, sorry, second and fourth Wednesdays uh, at seven thirty, and, and we should try to have a little meal ahead of time for those as well. Um, but everybody that comes to our lodge always is just blown away by the lodge room, um, particularly by the, the ceiling and the beams. And I yeah. don't know if we're going to have pictures or not. I wouldn't cool to pictures, but we don't. Right. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful building and it's, it's, it's gorgeously made if you're into, to architecture and, and uh, mid-century later structures. Uh, you definitely will appreciate the woodwork that we have going on. But uh, it's it's always funny because we t I tell people uh, some of the lodges either their lodges are named after you know, a, a, a member of their original you know maybe their original community or they're named after the city that they're in. <clears throat> and people always say, you know, who's who's Mister Rosedale or I don't know <laughs> yeah. Rosedale the I, I don't know of Rosedale. Aren't you guys in there? Yet? And it's funny because there's so many people that don't realize that Rosedale was a was a vital part of the the, the Kansas City community. Yeah. And um, we were originally in the neighborhood of Rosedale. It was never actually a city. It was a, it was just a, a community, a lot like you know, Shiny Mission is a is a post office co, but it's and everything's called Shiny Mission, but it's not actually technically a place. It's just a right. area. So it's one of those things that when we moved out there to Merriam, we kept that name um, because it was important to us. It was the it was the founding of the lodges in Rosedale. So being able to keep that and and make sure that uh, generations to come were confused by the the name and the location was important to us. So <laughs> we made yeah. sure that 
No, it's it's really cool. And like I said, I mean, I, I felt really dumb not having connected the two because I've pondered on that before. I mean, I know there's Rosedale, Kansas, or uh, that you know that that part of town, but I never connected that exactly to the lodge. And you know, one thing I, I've got to go look and see if I can find like the dispensation and all this stuff. But because in those early days, the Grand Lodge was really really picky about letting a lodge go outside of its jurisdictional limits of like. If it was in Kansas City, Kansas, to then come over to what is now, you know, Merriam or whatnot. Yeah. Um, so I would I would love to find out more about the conversation and the allotment of Grand Lodge, letting the lodge move uh through different cities. And I there's gotta be a cool story there. It's, it's probably really lame, but it'd be cool yeah, to guys like me. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably in the book. I'll get you a book. But uh, yeah, that that is true. There's very few times when you actually will be able to allow it to move a lot from one, one place to another. Um, but yeah, we were, we were very fortunate and, and happy to uh, include uh, Roger Sherman Westgate uh, into our lodge. Uh, gosh, it's been almost two years ago now uh, that they, they, they joined, in, joined into our lodge. And we got a, a few really good guys out of that. And uh, just, just growing from there. And it's, it's been, been great. You know, I, like I said, you know, I I didn't become a Mason in Kansas, but I but I really became a Mason in Kansas. Right. And uh, you know, I I've been very blessed and very happy with the lodge that I that I chose. And uh, there's some the guys there have been great every step of the way. You know, we've seen guys come and go, and and um, it's it's the highlight of my week. I know to be able to to go down and, and see those guys again, and especially you know the past couple of years. You know, so many people didn't leave the house, and there was that, that sense of individual, you know, isolation. So, uh, Kansas overall, uh, I think, did a really good job of, of communicating and making those meetings work for the, the gentleman that wanted to come to the meetings because yeah. of those situations. And, and and I'm proud to say that Rose Doe came out of that, and, and we're growing from there. And, and being able to share that with, the, with these new guys. I mean, we've got so many young guys, and I think open park those too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just so cool to, to, to have such an average young age compared to a lot of other lodges, you know, around the country. Yeah. You know, say that, you know, our, our three principal officers are all under 40. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely not the norm. That's for sure. Yeah. But it, it's, it's, extremely refreshing to see and it it really makes me excited you know like we talked about in the very beginning that section of johnson county as a whole i mean we see downtown overland park we see the merriam shawnee area all kind of revitalizing and you know sparking new life and you see that in the lodges too you see that new generation coming through and it really excites you uh, because you see that hope for the future of masonry where when you look too much at the big picture it can get really bleak at times we see you know the declining numbers and stuff but when you put in the work and you provide the right atmosphere uh you know use the quote you build it they will come i guess right uh if you you put that there you do see that next generation starting to latch in and spread their wings and you guys are really providing an amazing atmosphere for them to do so well thank you very much well we are coming up at the top of the hour we typically end these off with a little toast, and I was going to see if you would do the honor of providing us a little toast this evening. Oh my gosh, I'm, I am no without, without a drink. Give me a second here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe 
bênção, Pai. Sorry, I've got uh, two small children, so I don't I don't do a lot of drinking. I just have to drink my water out of my mates either. <laughs> that works. You know, honestly, the the only time I really drink outside of an event is uh taking a toast on this show. But because yeah. we toast every show with a little glass of whiskey, everyone thinks I'm a whiskey aficionado, and I get all these uh, like comments asking about different brands and everything. I'm like, you're asking the wrong guy. Go for the coolest looking bottle. <laughs> Just get yourself some some Woodward Reserve and you're fine. You're good to go. There you go. So how does, I, I'm just I'm just toasting here. Yeah, just give us just give us a toast end off the show. However you see fit. To all the masons here and abroad, to all the widows and orphans who are in need out there. This is for you. May God bless us all. Look after us all, and may masonry. Stay strong, survive, thrive, and help. Always remember to help those in need. You're here. Cheers. Cheers. Brother, thank you so much for joining us this evening. You've opened my eyes, made me feel a little stupid, never, never made that connection. And now I got to dig in a little deeper. But you guys honestly have a great history. You're a fantastic lodge. I've always enjoyed the connection of it resembling Lenexa and kind of seeing that little bit of tie in there. Got Gary. Got to love Gary. You guys are really setting the path for an amazing future of Freemasonry within Kansas. Uh, so it was an honor to be able to sit with you this evening. And please tell your family thank you as well for letting us steal you away for a little bit to pick your brain on the history of Rosedale. Thank you very much for having me. It's been, it's been a very, very, very interesting, very cool event. I like Fantastic. Well, man, it's been an honor. We will see you guys again soon. Thank you, everybody, for joining in with us live this evening. And until next time, keep preserving the history of Freemasonry. Have a great night.